talking about fruit, and this is everyone's favorite fruit, right? Doesn't everyone love the fruit of patience? We love working it out in our lives. We love having to wait for things. We love traffic. Yes, and let me just introduce myself for those of you that are, that are new this morning, those of you that are maybe here for the baby dedication, welcome. We're so glad that you're here. My name is Dr. C, and I'm one of the teaching pastors here at Northwest Church. So we welcome you. We're so thankful that you're here, and we are doing our best to think about and take root in our heart these different fruit that the Holy Spirit brings into our life. So let's begin. <clears throat> The key to everything is patience. You get the chicken by what? Hatching the egg, not by smashing it. Now, I'm going to just be very transparent and say that my personality is I want to smash the egg type person. It's been revealed to me, not just by other people, but also by the Holy Spirit. One of them is easier to receive than the other. And um, that impatience is a besetting sin in my life. And for years, I would think of impatience as a quirk in my personality. Like, you know, like um, how I don't like to go on roller coaster rides because it makes my stomach really, really upset. So that's just part of who I am. People know I hold the purses and everybody goes on the ride. And I just kind of thought of impatience like that. It was just a quirk, just kind of who she is. And as time goes on, the Holy Spirit reveals that it's, it's a sin. It's not a charming quirk about you. It's a sin. It is the opposite of patience. It is opposite of what the Spirit is trying to do in my heart. So <clears throat> this little talk that we're having this morning is aimed at me. And quite honestly, the hardest thing for me about preaching and teaching isn't the study. I love it. It's not talking in front of my friends. I enjoy it. It's the transparency that's required of a preacher and of a teacher. Those of you that, that open the word and, and, and teach the word, you know we're not just giving a history lesson. We're not just talking about science. It's alive. It's the word of God working in us. And so transparency is part of what we do. And, and it's the hardest part for me is saying the things that I struggle with. Not because I shouldn't struggle, but it's just, it's just for my personality. I'd rather keep the cards close to my vest, as they say. So this will be a morning of, what do they say, full disclosure? Okay, so here we go. This is our verse. This is our foundation verse. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. And we are up to patience. Now, the, the, the whole sum and total of today is wrapped up in this sentence that God is patient. That's the foundation for everything in our life. That's the foundation for our salvation that God was patient for us. He patiently wooed us to himself. And he was patient and waiting for the time that we could receive the word of faith in our heart. So this is the foundation for us, that God is patient with us. And I love this verse because this verse, God is declaring who he is. He's saying this about himself. He says, the Lord passed in front of Moses proclaiming, 
The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Slow to anger is what we call patience. And God is saying, this is who I am. This is, this is me. He is slow to anger. And it's not just he doesn't do this, but he also tells us what he does do. He abounds in love. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. As some understand slowness, instead he is patient with you. He is patient with me. Not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. I love the fact that his patience has a purpose. That purpose is so that I I have time for his spirit to draw me to himself so that you have time. The people that were praying, it takes time for the Holy Spirit to draw us to himself. And God says that I am patient with you. And that's one of the things that he expects to see in me and you as his children. He expects us to reflect that aspect of his character. He wants me to be patient. And I'm not sure what it is about me But when the children are small or when I'm dealing with small children or toddlers or middlers, it's easy for me to be patient with children. I don't don't know why. Some of you, it's not. That's okay. But for me, please give me this one thing. It's easy for me to be patient with children. I got one thing, Lord. You're working on more. But I, I don't know. I just get it. I get it. I get why they do what they do, and I, I, I love it, it's easy. But when I'm dealing with adults, friend or foe, and I feel like they should know better, like, didn't your mama raise you right? I mean, come on, you, you need to know. Don't you know better? That's when I find myself becoming impatient, quick to anger, not slow to anger. Since God shows you to be holy people that he loves, that's beautiful. You are a holy person that God loves. You must clothe yourself with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. If we could display these qualities of God's character in our life, our life would be so rich and so full of deep and abiding relationships. Relationships that that can stand the strain and can stand the struggle and can stand the, the, the pushing and the pulling that happens when two different wills collide. If we could just do this, and this next sentence, make allowance, it's not asking us, it's, it's, it's telling us this is what we should do if we are Christ, God's children, Christ's brother and sister. Make allowance for each other's faults. Forgive anyone who offends you. Well, this is a definition, a very simple definition for the fruit of patience. It's being slow to, what? Slow to anger. 
having the will in that moment to wait. We can make the definition complicated, but this is the essence of patience. In that moment, when you feel like your will has been violated, you feel like your rights have been trampled, you feel like you are misunderstood, you are convinced that they don't understand what you're trying to do, this is patience. In that moment, having the will to wait. Take a second, take a beat, send up a prayer, call out the whatever, but wait before you respond. That's patience. And the Bible calls that being slow to anger. Now, the Bible is very specific about what impatience, which is what I'm calling anger, the anger that's not allowable in the scripture. There is that kind of anger because God, we have that emotion. We know it's part of our makeup and that's not a sin part of our makeup because we need that emotion when we confront evil and when we confront injustice and we confront the things of this world that are antithetical to what the Bible says should be. We need that righteous, the old timers used to call it, right Jimmy? Righteous indignation. That's what they... Not that you're an old timer, you're raised in the church. <laughs> Take that however you, be, forgive those who you have, you have faults with. But we need that, don't we? We need that when injustice has occurred. But sometimes, a lot of times, often, we justify the, some of the emotions that we're having and we don't recognize that it's anger. We don't realize it. So I'm going to call it impatience. So when you hear the word impatience, just think anger. The kind of anger that we're not supposed to be displaying. Impatience is being easily angered and irritated with delay or opposition. Now I'm not going to ask for a show of hands at who gets irritated by delay or opposition. But this, is a, this pretty much sums up the source of a lot of my irritation. I am, and I don't want to say anger. Anger sounds like such a mean word. But if I use other words like irritation, annoyance, frustration, it's, it's putting lipstick on a pig. It is the same thing. It's the same thing. When I get irritated, frustrated, annoyed, I'm angry. And all because, simply because, I've been delayed. Or something that I think should be happening on this timetable has been opposed. The root of impatience is? Yes. Now, we will quickly go through the two things that impatience does. The first one we will not spend time on, but it does damage your reputation. Every single one of y'all that's over than the age of 20 knows people that anger is a real issue in their life. Outbursts of uncontrolled anger. They, they say things that later on they swear they don't mean. On and on and on and on. And we, we all know. We don't have to spend time on this one. But the Bible does explain what happens. The angry person starts fights. Hot-tempered people commit just this one little tiny sin that's in a corner. Hot-tempered people commit all kinds of sin. You open the door to uncontrolled anger, all kinds of sin, because you're out of control. You're out of control. 
Patience leads to abundant understanding. What does impatience lead to? And what does impatience lead to? Yes, stupid mistakes. We're not even going to dwell on that one. We're just going to go right on. Here's the one I want to spend a few moments on. Anger destroys relationships. When you think about the world as it exists right now, um, ecological issues, racial issues, male-female issues, all, whatever, whatever the bee is that's in your bonnet, it all comes down, the most broken places are relationships. When you break things down to the lowest common denominator, it's relationships, whether it's male-female, father-son, mother-children, husband-wife. And the Bible says that those who bring trouble on their families will inherit what? The wind. When you inherit the wind, do you have anything? Is there anything you can hold on to? Is there, is, is there, can you grab it? Can you harness it? You inherit the, those who trouble. So I'm thinking, Lord, what does that, what does that actually mean? I mean... It means those who mismanage their families, fathers and mothers who mismanage what God has given them because children are a gift from the Lord. They'll inherit the wind. So I thought about it even more. I thought, what does that mean? What does it mean to mismanage? Is it just talking about money? No. It's talking about the relationships. It can include money, but the relationships between Mom and dad, father, daughter, father, son, husband, wife. So I got to this one. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way that you treat them. Crystal, I thought we were talking about patience. Now Now we're on the dads. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children. Provoke means to to trouble, to create resentment and seething anger. I was um, listening to Zig Ziglar. Some of you old timers will know who he was. He's a, a, a strong Christian and a motivational man. He was always telling stories and just very enjoyable to listen to. But he was telling a story that was very thought provoking. And he said, this was several years ago, several decades ago, actually. And he said it was something, a, a statistic startled him. And he's one of those speakers that can make statistics sound even funny and interesting. So you're listening, you're on the edge of your seat. And he said that there's a at Florida State Penitentiary, and of course, we, I double-checked it with my fact-checker over there. We call that Rayford Prison here. But he said that they, they did a, a study. And in that study, they talked with every single, it's a male-only you know, population, they talked with every single male, and they did psychological tests, and they did emotional tests on all of the inmates of Rayford Prison. And what they found was this, that 100% of the, 
of the men incarcerated in Rayford Prison had deep anger issues with their father. A hundred percent, not just half, every single one. Now I'm thinking, well, it can't be just the anger where you discipline your child as you're supposed to be because the Bible tells us to instruct our children, to give them healthy boundaries, to make sure those healthy boundaries are adhered to all and all. That can't be the issue. So what is it talking about? How do so many men have deep, seething anger at their fathers? So I thought, and I thought, I said, oh, Holy Spirit, please help me here. And he reminded me of a couple that we knew. And it was a picture. You know how when God talks to you, sometimes you get a picture. And it was a snapshot of this couple. And uh, Pastor Mark and I had moved to Philadelphia. This was, Crystal was a baby and Sarah was a nursing baby. I mean, it was just, this was a long, this was a long time ago. There was a couple. So we went to my brother-in-law's church because they went to this big Presbyterian church. There were thousands of people there and we didn't know anybody. So we thought, hey, you know, we'll go meet some young couples. That was fine. And one of the couples we met, I won't say their last name. His name was Tom and her name was Melanie. He was a, a radio personality. He was very famous in the Philadelphia greater area. Everybody knew him. And he had a very distinctive voice, kind of like a micro voice. You know, the dirty jobs guy. You know, you, you know when you hear his voice that it's, that it's him. And that's how Tom was. Everyone liked him. Everyone wanted to be around him. He was like a planet that was circling and everybody wanted to be in his orbit. And he was, you know, I thought he was, not, he was a Christian. This whole thing wouldn't have even been a story if he had not said, <clears throat> I'm a Christian. I'm a follower. We sat in the pews together. So we started hanging out, and <clears throat> quite honestly, we were, you know, thrilled and whatever that we got invitations. So we would hang out with him. And what I noticed was his wife's name was Melly. She was a lovely woman, uh, gentle, quiet, long hair. They had two children. Their daughter was the carbon copy of the mother. She was long and tall and willowy. The son was, uh, was smaller of stature and quiet. You didn't envision that he would be quarterback of the football team or any, any kind of sports position at all. But such a nice boy, polite, friendly, generous. Said all that to say, we started hanging out with him in social situations. We were young, we were in our early 20s and they were in their early 40s. And he started talking. When he would have a conversation, he would criticize his wife. He would belittle his wife. He would berate his son. And at first I was, uh, you know, at first you're kind of shocked because when something unexpected happens that you're not expecting, and it happened again. And it happened again, that he would publicly humiliate by the words that he said, his wife and his children. And finally, I said to, to Pastor Mark, I'm like, I can't, I cannot, I cannot hang out with anymore. This is physically hurting me to be around this man. I don't want to be around this man. I don't want to, 
Of course, the Bible tells us not to make friends with angry people. But see, he didn't seem angry. He was jovial. He was loved. But yet, he, for me, was the epitome of this verse, provoking his children to the kind of hurt and pain that, that, that you don't just get over. That seething resentment. So I, I appreciated the Lord giving me an example of what that sounded like and looked like. Because nothing causes more joy in life than sweet relationships. And nothing causes more sorrow than broken relationships. And most of you in this room know that that's true. That when a relationship becomes strained and broken, that produces such sorrow. And so the Bible is saying, God is telling us, look, my nature is to be patient. And I want my sons and I want my daughters to reflect who I am. Be patient with one another, loving, kind to one another. Be humble with one another. As you walk through this world, look like me. Act like me. The fruits of the Spirit are so that we can be like Jesus was when he was here. And I love that. We're going to very quickly, very, very quickly, what do we do with our anger? Keep it under control. Don't, basically don't give it full vent. Don't blast someone the moment you're angry with them. Wait. Let go of your anger in a responsible way. Here's what I want to get to. I wanted to just take the time to categorize the different words that we use instead of saying, I am just ticked off. I am so ticked off right now. These are some of the words that we use. And I've categorized them for you. Look at some of them and see if you recognize some of them. Hey, now. You know, that's what I love about this church. We are serious. We are serious about conforming to Christ's image. Okay, here's another one. This is my favorite. The covert anger is kind of my favorite. In a, in a horrible way, of course. And everybody agrees with the last one. We all agree that wrath and murder and hatred, we all know that's bad. But the other ones are kind of like, eh, is that really? So it's been working for me. That withdrawing, that coldness, that giving him the cold show, that's been working. It really hasn't. Hey, now. Oh, so many words, so many ways that the enemy has distorted our emotions to destroy relationships. That's why God is continually saying, be patient with one another. Overlook each other's faults. It doesn't, mean, it doesn't mean commend them. It doesn't mean you excuse them. It doesn't mean you agree with them. It says, overlook them. And if someone has offended you, forgive them. Why? Why is he asking us to do that? Because he has forgiven me. I have offended him. I have offended him, and he's forgiven me. So he expects me to forgive others. I 
I want to close with, um, as I said before, one of the hard things for me about preaching is vulnerability. I can do it one-on-one, -on -one, you know, it's like I can, but it's, it, it's different when you're talking to a room full of people. But I've, but I've since the Holy Spirit's been convicted me of, of being impatient, and now that I see it's, it's an affront to God's holiness, it's an affront to his character, it's an affront to who he is, I see it as, as the sin that it is, and not just the quirk of a personality. I can see it for what it is. And um, one of the things that I'm going to be working on, you can hold me to it, but I hope you don't, but you can. I'm convicted that I'm constantly rushing around. It seems like I'm always in a hurry. I don't know where I'm going so fast. I mean, I don't, I mean, but even on the inside, I feel like I'm rushed. Like there's something wanting me to hurry up and get somewhere. It's hard to enjoy that peace that we talked about last week. And so one of the ways that I'm going to start practicing patience is by trying to be ruthless about eliminating that need to always be in a rush. I think about Jesus, and I cannot find a time that he rushed anywhere. He was always stopping, talking about fig trees, and stopping at wells, and writing in the sand until people realized their own sin. Who knows how long that took? He was just not ever in a hurry. And I think, my father, I don't, I don't see God wringing his hands in, in the universe. You know, oh my gosh, what's going to happen now? He's just not. And I'm supposed to reflect him. I'm supposed to have that calm peace and not be restless. So come up and ask me in a, don't ask me today, but ask me in a week or two how I'm doing. How I'm doing. Some of you on Sunday morning, if you can go ahead and stand with me, because I really am closing. But on Sunday morning, you know I've timed it. I get from my car to the front, and it's not that I don't want to talk to people, but I've got like half of a second to get from, because it's important to me to be down here when worship starts. Why? Because I really believe that, that's, that I'm, I'm worshiping God, but yet I haven't built any margin. I am rushing here like I'm the president of the United States and I've got a bodyguard getting me down front. It's ridiculous. So please, help me. Just send me a text. Don't call me because I don't want to be on the phone all the time. No. Send me a text. It, it, God didn't create the universe. It's day by day we do these things. But I had to, you know, I, you repent. You repent. When the Holy Spirit convicts you. Not when someone is critical or judges you. When the Holy Spirit convicts you. What is our response? We repent. Because we're his children. And we... Okay, I get the hint. Let's pray. 
Father, your mercy is new every morning. Your compassion, your loving kindness is always with us. You go before us. You wall us in behind. And all around we're surrounded by your care and protection and mercy. Father, your patience toward us when we were enemies of the cross is what drew us to you. And Father, you're asking us to be patient with each other, with our sisters and our brothers, people that hate you and people that are drawn to you. You've asked us to be patient and walk humbly through this world. So Father, we're asking that you give us a revelation of those areas in our family where we are not patient with our children. A revelation of those times and those seasons where we are not slow to anger. We are quick to get angry. And we're quick to justify our anger. Father, we repent. And we ask that you keep leading us by your Spirit. That you keep doing a work on the condition of our heart. We thank you. I thank you for every family that's represented here, every marriage, every person, every male, every female. And Father, I thank you for the Supreme Court decision. I thank you. I thank you. I thank you, God, for all the children that will be born, that will be raised up to serve you and love you and usher in your return. We thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.